0: Welcome to Double Burst, a podcast about Dice Masters. We are a group of Utah players that want to bring you the latest Dice Masters, news, strategies, tips, and more. Whether you're a new or seasoned player, we hope this show has something for you. I'm KT Data, one of your hosts, and welcome to episode 86. In this episode, we'll be talking about our hidden gem, the uncommon dupe, draft pack strategies, and wrap it all up with a discussion about the Dice Masters campaign boxes. Plus, we have a new mini-segment for you. But first, let's kick it off with a quick rules forum update. All right, guys, we are here with Dr. J. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Amazing. Um, We are starting off the show with you, which means it is time for a rules forum update. If you guys aren't familiar, the WizKids rule forum is the first place you should be going if you're looking for rules questions. You can find it at win.wizkids.com forward slash BB, B is in boy. This one's kind of a quickie, so it's a quick snack. It's about the Bifrost between, uh, Bridge Between Realms. Um, so what, what, what was the quick rules update for this
1: one? So this, it was just kind of eroded so that you couldn't use it Infinitely, or until you ran out of dice in your used pile. Because the way it's originally worded, when you field a character die, you may field target character die in your used pile in the same level for free. Well, that would trigger another fielding and another one and another one until you ran out of dice. They just simply eroded it to say the Bifrost does not trigger itself. So, yeah, and
0: it also changed the text too. So it's when you field a character die from your reserve pool, you may field target character die in your used pool. Or use pile at the end of, um, on its same level for free. Yeah. So it's kind of making sure you pay attention, to it. and then it says the Bifrost doesn't trigger itself. Global still the same. So if you need a energy fixer, it's a bolt.
1: Well, that was the only uh, reason to ever bring this card, anyway, in my opinion. So yeah, because
0: I, I I think the timing with it is just really hard to pull off.
1: Yeah, it was kind of janky before. I think it's just as usable as it ever was, um, and I I really like the energy fixer. So
0: yep. All right, so that was a quickie. We will have you and Russ back in a second for a brand new segment we're having on the show. All right, guys, we are back. Dr. J, you're still here in the hot seat. Chair's still warm, right? Yep. All right, and then we have the KO King. How are you doing today, Russ? Good. Um, We are introducing a new mini segment, so these are going to be kind of just like a rules form update. So they may not be here every episode, but we're going to put them in when we can. Um, We're calling it the mailbag for now, so unless you, if you guys got a cooler name for that, Let me know. But these are um, comments or emails that you have sent in based on our past episodes and things that we mentioned because we want to get you guys more involved with the show. Um, This one is actually from Philip, and it's about our last episode when we were talking about Create Food and Water. So I'll read you his email. He says, Hello. I thought I'd share my thoughts about the basic action you discussed last time on the show. I think you underestimate the card when it comes to prepping it on your first turn if you go second. Just use the global to force a bag refill and then prep four dice with the action. Seems good to me. In fact, I'm thinking about using create food and water together with the chalkboard global just for that reason. Something along the following line sounds good. Assuming you go first, turn one. Chalkboard over a two cost with a zero fielding cost, for instance, Pepper Pots, Virginia. Turn two, uh, different things can happen. So A, if the character rolls on its zero fielding cost side, field it, then prep over create food and water. Or B, if the character rolls on its energy sides, don't buy food and water and move on to a secondary ramp plan, for instance, using the energy rolled to buy a swarm character or mimic. And then turn three, if a happened in turn two you will now roll eight dice go buy your wincon of choice um and then the rest of the game you then have a die in your bag that either gives you two energy or preps a die or two while letting you get expen- uh, your expensive wincon very early i think it sounds good on paper at least but i have yet to try it out properly further thoughts even if all three sides of the character haven't got zero fielding it can still be worth it for instance the Batiri battle stack has a fielding cost of zero, zero, 001. So if it rolls on its one side, you can still buy Create Food and Water, just not prep it. Also, cards like Common Cosmic Cube or the Common Rip Hunter could also be used to mitigate the late game drawback of having Create Food and Water in your bag. Just my 50 cents signed Philip. So what do you guys think? 50 cents is
1: like way more than two cents. But. It's exchange rate because I think he's from overseas. I don't know what you guys talked about with create food and water, but were you guys just yeah, crapping I, on it the whole time? No, so, I agree.
2: I mean, if we, you we, go we, down that path where you're figuring it out, but if your initial play, if if your turn to if your initial play is just a chalkboard of food and water, you only got four sidekicks in, so you're going to have to spend an energy to prep all your dice, which isn't a terrible idea, but timing of food and water, if you have an empty bag i guess was my point in bringing it up if if you have an empty bag when you play food and water you've either got to spend an energy to churn the bag or it's just wasted so i think it's important to worry about timing and i i will still say i'm not a fan of it late game if it's a normal team like if i'm buying a bunch of cubes or or other things um I think it might cycle it a little bit, but if if I have more character or action dice than I do sidekicks, I think food and water isn't as successful
1: i I like the idea you know. If you if you're prepping four dice on turn two or whatever, and then you're rolling all this dice, and you have like a seven cost win condition that's going to win you the game, I think it's a solid thing, a solid card to play for that team. If you have a high cost character, I think that might be the way to go in the current meta. We don't have Professor X and all these crazy ramp options anymore, so you got to get take what you can get in order to get up to seven plus energy. Um, but it kind of
2: breaks ramp still in the idea yeah, of Professor X. Like, I've got to do something one turn to provide
0: yeah, more than it's, it's, it's that. It's a two-turn mechanic. The,
1: the way I see it is, to, for me, it's a lot like uh, Big Entrance. Big Entrance is something you buy on your first turn or at the beginning of the game in order to get your win condition or to get your thing moving faster. You know, And Big Entrance is good for... T- Teams with little low cost characters, you know, you you got big four low cost characters, you're going to lose the game.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm looking that. at Russ here. He's like, he's like, no, don't ever play <laughs> yeah. a big entrance. But I'm with big, Russ on that one, by the way. But big entrance, you know, it's it's got its place on those small rush teams with cheap characters. Uh, I feel like create food and water is sort of the same thing, only for a team that's got that one big character they're trying to reach for, and that's what you need to get. The problem is big entrance if. It doesn't roll, or you don't roll the energy that you need, or somehow you end up getting screwed over by big entrance, which Russ is so good at doing. Yeah,
0: I'm good at doing it, too.
1: It just clogs your bag, and from then on, if you don't get it working the first few turns of the game, it's just clogging your bag. That's what I see Create Food and Water doing. It's a great jump into the game, a great, like, what do I Like a shot of adrenaline. Yeah, it's just like a shot of adrenaline. But if it doesn't get you what you need then it's just going to hurt you later on it. For me, I don't like the whole prepping a couple dice here and prepping a couple dice there, because to me that just isn't cost effective. I'd rather have some other form of churn and ramp, something more reliable than Mm -hmm. just the action. Uh, So that's my, that's my take on it is it's a lot like big entrance to get to that big character, but it's also a risk. If it doesn't roll, the first couple turns and you're tempted to buy a second one don't do it don't do it it's like buying a second big entrance that will only end up hurting you because you'll draw them both at the same time or they won't end up working you know so i think that it's got its place just don't throw it on every team thinking that it's going to be that magic card i think
2: philip has a great plan there and it goes to what we were talking about it don't just throw it on and think you can use it like professor x But he sounds to have a really good game plan with it, purchase order, when you're going to purchase it. Um, With my sidekick team, I actually buy uh, foot ninja first, then I'll buy that, and then start cycling once I have a character.
1: Yeah, and and you'll need... A big character with re- with a really solid win condition on it, like a Bahamut or something. That's what you really need in order to make create food and water worth it. Because if you're going for like a six cost character that's got some wind fielded effect, that's not going to win you the game almost on its own. I don't I don't know that it's worth it just I to think buy that it works character. Works perfect on a collector team, but that's because I'm not <laughs> buying it. <laughs> but that's because you have nothing but sidekicks right. in your bag. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right, so, Philip, thank you for sending that email. If you guys want to send us emails, you can always do that, doubleburst at net, or you can leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst, and who knows? We might read your comment or your email on the show and give you some feedback from what we hear. All right, guys, I will see you guys later on in the show. All right, guys, we are back with Dr. J. How you doing? Doing Still good. okay? All yep. right, so it is time for our hidden gem, and this time we're talking about a set that I... It felt like yesterday. This is an just, old set, right? Yeah, it's right? an old set. This is an old for, set. From X-Men First Class, and we're talking about the uncommon dupe, uniquely adapted. He's a four-cost fist. He has awakened, and his ability is capture target opposing character die until end of turn. When this die spins up one or more levels, you may use this effect.
1: So, Jared, why is this a hidden gem? Well, because not that many people play it, and that's what makes hidden gems hidden gems. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it a gem? Yeah, yeah, why is it a gem? <laughs> it's a gem because actually it's a really, really solid card. Uh, I played a couple of people who had this in in draft and in our X-Men League, um, and I don't think I played anyone who really exploited it to its fullest potential, but there's so much you can do with this dupe, and one of the things that I think is really fun to do is to play this with uh, mutation or polymorph, you know, you use the global and pay a mask to spin a character down and you spin another character up. So what you do is you get two dupes out on ideally level two and three, and then you just pay a mask and capture a character and then pay a mask and capture a character. And you can basically do that until you run out of masks. And then when you're going to do it the last time, you spin up the dupe that's on level two and spin a different character down. And then you have two dupes on level three with hopefully a very a empty giant, field and you just stack attack a characters
0: wherever du- in dupe world wasn't it yeah 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 <laughs> they're just
1: they're just sitting in dupe world i mean it doesn't say that it's once per turn or that it's limited uh it just means it's just awaken when you spin them up you can do it um and so that's something that i saw actually you know i saw a couple of people you know spin him up in order to capture one of my characters um and there's a lot of key characters that you might want to capture for instance uh Shriek, maybe you want to get rid of a Shriek. Dupe's probably not going to be the one that they'd blank with Shriek. Blob, if there's a Blob out there capturing your characters, you can get rid of him. A get lot your of guys
0: back characters. and that 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 might be what you just need for that last push
1: yeah. to win the game. Yeah. Bishop, you know there's tons of control characters out there that this dupe can really take out of commission and open up your opponent's uh your opponent's field or open up their their life to some some damage. So he's really kind of a solid control character. The downside to him, obviously, is that they get their characters back at the end of turn. Um, but still, for a four-cost character, I think he's got one of the better awaken abilities in the game, and I think you can really exploit it.
0: Yeah, and I think this is partially hidden because he's a four-cost. So that's where I kind of sometimes hit the wall is when you have that four-cost character getting more than one. Sometimes is a little bit more difficult to do, especially... Um, cause what are his fielding costs zero one, two, so yeah, they're not that bad, but on level three, that could tax you a little bit in terms of getting another one um, and I also like I was thinking about this, this one would pair again, like anytime I see awaken now, I always just think of that rare hawk girl that spins a oh yeah, up. yeah, um, so with that so. Um, outside of polymorph, is, is there anything else other than the hot girl that you'd kind of use it with?
1: Um, you can always use it with Giganta. I think and anything to spin him up is gonna be ideal because his level one stats are one one, which are awful. So if you roll him on level one, the fielding cost is great, but you want to get him up to level three because that's where he's gonna be the biggest threat. Um and six six isn't anything to turn your nose up at. Yeah. It's some pretty hefty stats that he's got. So uh yeah, anything like Giganta that can spin a character up, pretty much anything that spins a character up is going to pair pretty well with yeah.
0: it. Yeah, I, I also like that, you know, you mentioned kind of that dupe-dupe combo. The other one that I enjoy is pairing it up with the Uncommon Jubilee, where when she spins up, she does two damage. So you're capturing stuff, and then you're damaging your opponent at the same time, and hopefully thinning their field enough with that you can just do that, final attack and then win the game.
1: Yeah. And that's actually another great strategy that you can use with dupe. If you don't want to invest four twice to buy two dupes, then you just find another awakened character that has a really good ability like that Jubilee. And then you pay a mask capture, deal two damage, capture, deal two damage. And I I believe Jubilee, you can do it to a character, right? Uh, I think so. I don't know if you can do it to a character, then that's more board clear and it's just going to open it up more for your big characters to to come through and swing um
0: if i can spell jubilee (laughs) uh let's see nope it's just to target opponent Ah,
1: well it's still really good And, and look at the other awakened characters and see if there's anything that that will pair well with him um and i think that you'll find he's actually really Really interesting card.
0: Yeah. Could you make a team just based around dupe or, or is he kind of more of that utility type character?
1: I think he's more utility. His stats make him a little bit better than just utility though. That six, six side is kind of a threat. And if your opponent can't keep a, a a full enough field, then taking a couple characters out is going to leave them very vulnerable. So if they're running a heavy control team where they only have a few characters out, he's ideal for taking them out. And then his stats, it's not much more than a couple of dupes to get to lethal damage. So, I mean, you could build around him exclusively. I probably wouldn't, I would probably use him as utility on a, on a team, some kind of targeted removal. Um, but yeah, whatever, whatever you think is best.
0: Yeah. And so, um, so before we go, do you have anything else you want you want to mention about this dupe? Uh,
1: I, I hated dupe at first. Like, I hated him and all of his cards. When this set came out, I wanted nothing to do with it. And the more I looked at him, the more I realized, hey, he's pretty good. I played in our league with the rare dupe, and the rare dupe was when he attacks, you capture one of your characters and capture an opposing character, and that was another fun card it was a five cost so it was harder to get and that's why i went with this one for our hidden gem instead of him but that one was actually really interesting because you could capture one of your characters that you wanted to protect and take one of their characters out of the field so that they couldn't you know when you attack do something to one of your key characters so i mean all the dupes have kind of grown on me you know so he's fun
0: yeah out of three is this one kind of your favorite or which one do you like out of
1: i like the ability on the rare but that that purchase cost from jumping from a four to a five just doesn't make him as desirable to me and so i went with this one because he's purchasable at any point in the game you don't have to do anything to buy it other than just spend the four energy um so i went with him as i think he's slightly better than the rare Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited because I really want to see someone, and no one has done it yet, is to make like an extra neoprene mat or something or a container and just say dupe world. Right. I, I, I want to <laughs>
1: know what dupe world looks like. You just get a, You just get like a dice cup or something or a dice tray put dupe world on the side and whenever you capture one of your opponent's dice you just pick it up and throw it in there <laughs> yeah like paint it green so yeah, you forget what side it was on or anything <laughs> like that you just chuck it in there <laughs> shake it up and throw it back out there and be like i hope you remembered what level they were on <laughs> that's great um so um
0: we want to hear from you guys have you guys used this uncommon dupe or do you have suggestions for our hidden gems because there's a lot of cards and dice masters so I suggested this,
1: it, it feels like so long ago, but it wasn't. It's just like a month so ago. much stuff that's come yeah. out. I was like, dude, is he still a th- in the game? Yeah. So we want to hear from you guys. As always,
0: shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. All right, Dr. J, we'll get you back in a second with the KO King to talk about draft pack strategies. Sweet. Okay, guys, we are back with the KO King and Dr. J. Um, I'm excited for this uh, because since we've seen at the end of the year, WizKids introduced kind of a new draft format, which is the double rainbow draft. And I wanted to talk to you guys about double rainbow yeah, (laughs) across the sky (laughs) about about, you know, how is this different and what strategies you may want to take when doing this versus your standard, traditional rainbow draft of the feed? Because it is different.
2: Um, Well, it's it it's a whole different approach in the in the basic actions. You have to build your team around your basic actions where before you could just basically choose basic actions and it, and to some extent it didn't matter what characters you got, yeah. right? Cuz you there were people that would doesn't matter what my team is, I use these same two basic actions and then I'll play around them. Now it's it's much different. You have your basic actions and sometimes you do get stuck with like a ramp and... Get stuck with ramp. a big
0: entrance that you don't yeah.
2: want. So there is that downside, but I like the idea of trying to build a team to my basic actions, and I feel like you have to build more. I would like to try to draft all the pack. I think you could draft basic actions. Um, I just think that... I don't think it would be that difficult. You would just draft the basic actions, yeah. and if you get stuck with the last one, you get stuck with the last
1: I, one. I agree with... I agree with what you're saying with respect to the Tomb of Annihilation draft packs, because the Tomb of Annihilation draft packs, the basic actions were so different and there were so many different kinds of basic actions in that. Thor feels a little different because while it's got some interesting basic actions in there, I feel like they're all pretty much the same level. You know, they're all, it, it really doesn't matter what you get in Thor, you're getting a couple of... Okay, basic actions, nothing that's going to you can really build around.
0: Yeah, I don't know how many copies of Smash I own now.
1: <laughs> right? I,
2: I will say, when you're looking at basic actions, I would not want to draft Thor if Magic Missile and Overcrush basic actions were available.
0: Oh, yeah. That was so, there's, because there's so much abuse that you could do just with those two basic actions.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's nothing, there's really nothing like that in Thor. You know, there's nothing that gives overcrush. There's nothing that that is a win condition on a basic action. Yeah, they're good supplements,
0: but you're not going to be able to win with.
1: Exactly. Tomb of Annihilation, I felt, was a little different because there were certain cards that you could build a team around.
0: Like if I got a magic missile, I knew I'm going for adventurers. You know, yeah, I'm you don't... My... You
1: don't. If you have Magic Missile, you don't take the Yanti Purebloods. You don't take the Batiri Battle Stacks because they're going to get pinged out and your opponent's just going to get... Yeah, you want your opponents to
0: take those, so yeah, you can exactly. use them against them.
1: So if you get Magic Missile, you have to build around that. If you get create food and water, you want to look for that Tabaxi Rogue that's going to punish your opponent for drawing dice if, if they decide to buy it. And so there are strategies that you can work around with the different basic actions in Tomb of Annihilation. In Thor, really, like, there's... Uh, Whatever, get the hence the one that if you have an immortal character, then it feels the one a couple basic extra damage. action.
0: I still don't have.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that one maybe you could build around a little bit, but it's not hard to get an immortal character in Thor, um, and so that's going to be readily available to both you and your opponent. So I don't. There doesn't seem to be any basic actions in the Thor set that you would say. I got stuck with this. I need to find cards that help with this. Instead, it's more. I need to find cards that will work well together. Uh, and it's a little different than in Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah. So
0: I should ask um, before we go any further, be ready as the as the father and creator of be ready. <laughs> is does this still apply
1: to to the draft packs? I think so. Uh, first of all, if you get a super rare, obviously take the super rare because that's what we're all hunting um, Unless it's some sort of like WKO level event,
0: do you guys peek at the back or do you do the go through the I comments? I really the, I'm don't comments.
2: look at the back just because <laughs> I want that. Like, you, you know, I'm like sliding slowly.
1: It's, it's so easy, like in magic, to not look and see if there's if there's a like a legendary rare in the back of the packs. This one's so hard. Every time I pull those cards out, I try it, but the back one always slips and I'm like, oh man. <laughs> or, you know, you pull it open and you see you got a foil basic action and you realize, well, there's no super rare in here. So you can't look at the front and, <laughs> and not know that there's what's at the back. <laughs> you know, if you get a foil basic action, you didn't get a super rare. That's just the way draft packs work. Uh, so I try not to, but if it it always ends up happening. Yeah.
0: And, and then, so back to be ready. Um the the concepts still apply, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you you take the super rares if you get them. Take uh, the foils. Take <laughs> don't take the foils. <laughs> you take the essential cards. If you're if you're drafting from Thor, for instance, you take the Hulk, the the common Hulk. Absolutely. Uh if you're drafting from Tomb of Annihilation, you take the dragons or whatever it is. Or your Yanties or, or your whatever, whatever whatever your battle plan's going to exactly. be. Exactly. Uh Make sure you get some affordables. In Thor, it's super easy to end up drafting and not get a card that you can purchase easily.
0: jeez, oh, my buy curve. So we have a lead going on right now. My buy curve is dumb. Like, if I go first and I roll a sidekick and I can't get it to roll an energy, or if I don't get an energy, I have one three-cost on the team. I have no two costs.
1: Exactly. And it's it can be so easy in Thor to not get one of those. So make sure you take a Pepper Potts or a Jane Foster. Even Kate if... Bishop. <laughs> not the common. Don't take the common. <laughs> One of the guys actually was playing
0: that in our league.
1: But take the uncommon, because the uncommon is really, a really solid draft card. Oh, I feel like the common's pretty good. It's a two-cost,
2: man. It's, <laughs> it's
1: not. We'll get to that, though, in a second. So you, you're going to want something that you can buy early on. Duplicates, you may want to take that common kate bishop if you get the uncommon yeah,
0: are, are duplicates a little less important to you guys because i know i don't
1: worry about dice count that much anymore i don't i don't think so i and i understand what you mean because you get two dice for each yeah. but if you get three zombie rex zombie Rex, yeah, you get like exactly. six dice you don't take duplicates of big cost characters <laughs> i forgot you guys are meet. the zombie t-rex club <laughs> both of you <laughs> we guys we both drafted got six of those on our team at, at different times but there may be an instance where you may want it. Like in the Thor set, I ended up pulling three Jane Fosters, which, you know, didn't seem like a great idea, but I also pulled the Malachite that made all my sidekicks get plus one, plus one, and made them villains. And that just pumped her up. And I, I just had more dice than my opponent. And so I was able to flood the field and, and win with her. So I think it's still important to take duplicates. Remember what you drafted, because four dice of a certain kind can actually really help you.
2: And it, it's a little bit different in that you just go one direction, um,
0: like the boy band.
2: Yeah, I've noticed that's. I I'm not really used to that yet because I'm always expecting yeah you have to well. think about
0: it because it used to be when you did yeah. the the regular rainbow draft you're like oh well my other hand's gonna have something
1: yeah yeah <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore and actually that's the hardest thing that that's one thing that I struggle with I struggle with staying true to be ready. Because I will sit there and I'll look at them and I I say okay this common is a must have in this draft, but that means I only get one rare if I pass this hand. Oh, I've done
0: drafts where I don't get any rares because I wanted the essentials. Yeah, if
1: you if you pass the rares, if you pass those two rares, you you're guaranteed to get one in your second pass, and that's it. You know, you're not guaranteed to get a second rare, so if you don't take it, then you're going to be out. You know, some rares that you might want. So I struggle with not rare drafting with the draft packs, but in the end well, I always I think, stay true to be ready because it's always served me the best. And I think the uh,
2: cheap characters you need to get earlier because you don't get a second chance at, you know, another pod coming through. A lot of people are going to be taking those cheap characters first. So I've noticed if, if I don't grab a couple of those that I'm kind of stuck with what the four people in front of me didn't want, even though, you know, in the old way we drafted, you would have a pod to start over where you could kind of steer towards the yeah, team.
0: Yeah, it kind of evened out a little bit.
2: But now it's kind of like got to get, you know, my good stuff first and then yeah, I'm just going to Yeah, you have to be
1: way getting... more choosy and way more precise with draft packs with what you take because lots of times, I mean, with the old set, with the old way of doing it, I'd see a card and say, okay, if I get the uncommon version of that or the rare version of that, then I can really make this, that work with this other character. And I would end up taking an inferior version of it and hope that it came, that another one of those came around. You can't do that anymore. You have to say, you have to basically look at all your cards and say, is this going to help the cards that I've already drafted? If not, don't take it. Is this going to help? And then you just have to take what's going to help you the best. And the number of,
2: uh, People in the draft, I think, kind of.
1: Yeah, it is a
0: huge factor because, I I mean, drafting with just, I think one of the drafts I did was with four or five people, totally different than doing with a a full pod of like eight. Because then you're almost guaranteed that nothing's going to cycle at all.
1: Yeah, if you're doing it with eight people, just know you're going to see four, is it four? Four of those cards come back. And it's going to be the worst four that you have in that hand probably. So make sure, you know, when you open your hand, you see how many people are there. Count how many cards from that hand you're going to get back and maybe use that as a strategy. Um, It might be something to think about. But, yeah, like, like we've said, you only get one shot at drafting in this. You don't get a second pod with a second chance unless you end up paying double and you end up drafting two draft packs, which seems ridiculous to me. Yeah. I, uh,
0: I I kind of want to do it, but then the back of my head's like, I'm wasting a whole draft pack because yeah, it's right? going to be there.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think I like that idea. Plus, I mean, you're going to have so many dice that aren't going to be on your team because you're getting two with every card. One of the things that I really like about the draft packs, though, is how quickly team building goes after the draft. One of the things that frustrated me the most was I was always pretty much done with my team at the end of the draft because when i draft i'm very proactive and i'm like okay this is going on my team this is going on my team and this is going on my team i know that and team building took me a very small amount Mm -hmm. of time but people would always take forever they'd give like 30 minutes to put your team together and i'm like what 30 minutes now it's like oh well i pulled 10 characters i basically have to pick two to kick and that's it basic actions yeah. are already taken care of. Dice count's pretty much already taken care of. It's very fast and very clean. And I, yeah, like and
0: that. I love the cleanup, too, because did you guys ever run into that with the regular draft? It's like, oh, where am I putting my extra die? And my I'll just leave them on
1: the table and, and then maybe hope, they'd still be there at the end of the yeah, whole thing.
0: With these, I love it. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to throw all my extra die in the bag because I know it's going to fit in the bag, throw the cards in the box, and we're good to go.
1: Yeah. You know what's cool about the draft packs?
2: What? Your cards are flat when you get them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that really doesn't... Like, it never bothered me that they'd be crooked or anything before because they'd straighten out over time. They do straighten out over time. But, but it's really nice. With yeah, the
2: foils, right. the foils, the nice.
0: foils, when you grab them, that would bug me because then your stack would get too high and then your cards would start, you know, yeah. slipping all <laughs> the off. And, I, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm that guy who doesn't want to make a mess around everybody else. So that would
1: always bug me when they yeah. just slide around.
2: The rainbows are always easier, too, I think, with the draft packs. We don't. We we'll hardly ever throw make the, the rainbow anymore.
1: We just throw the dice in the bag out there, and like, I'll honestly just look at the bags of dice and be yeah. like, okay, how many Ragnaroks do I see in there? Yeah. I mean, we, it's
2: always we, annoying when we would do Chaos Draft and certain people would make us do giant <laughs> rainbows. <anyway. laughs> they
0: had to be in a rainbow, and they, they weren't had giant to be rainbows,
1: they were very long, thin rainbows. I really like draft,
2: and hopefully, drafting won't go away.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So before we go,
0: any kind of last tips you want to mention to people about using draft packs? Since it is different, and you know the double rainbow draft experience, it's hard for me now to actually think of doing drafts the old way. And it's weird. And it's only been two sets. Which is no,
1: weird. I I am a fan of the new draft pack. I love it. I think that they're they're great. I look forward to future sets with draft packs. They really hit I think a sweet spot with the Thor set where they have draft packs and a feed because when we play we draft the draft packs and then we get prize support from the packs in the feed. That's the way to go. Tomb of Annihilation was kind of janky yeah, and I'm I still
0: chasing super rares and some rares out of that. I haven't cause cause I don't see see no a super
1: rare it, out of it. I not one I think drafting out of the draft packs with Thor
2: would be a is a completely different experience than if you draft out of the packs. And I'd be interested to to do that. Just in the fact that if it was like Overcrush, in my experience with the Thor set, Overcrush would be super powerful. And the fact that it's not there for basic action, I think creates more creativity in the drafts. And I think that's why the draft
1: packs are good. Yeah, that's another thing I love about the draft packs is you're stuck with the basic actions that you get. Or if you decide to draft them, you're stuck with the basic actions that are within the draft packs. And there's no... Outside basic actions, which really, really helps, I think, with the fun of drafting. And it helps with the challenge of coming up with a good team and not just using some basic actions. Right. If, if you could use
2: Magic, Magic Missile and Hulk out oh, with Mr. Fix-It.
1: Or with any character, yeah. like with the Hulk in that yeah. set or with, you know, any other number of characters in that set. Magic Missile would make that set very not fun to draft. Uh, and so it's so much better.
2: It's weird with it. that it does that uh, different,
1: <laughs> many different <laughs> sets. Yeah. Although it didn't make Tomb of Annihilation an no. unfunded draft, it works well with the D and stuff. <laughs> well, and it's a good
2: counter to something like Yinti inset the yeah. pure blood. So yeah. I, I think they has done a good job with the basic actions they're including in the draft packs.
0: I. Somebody give me one of the stupid get the henses that pugs me that I'm missing. (laughs) I I
1: was a little put off when I saw all the all the basic actions in the set were practically reprints and they weren't like amazing reprints of past cards. But when you think about it, like they're just the right kind of basic action that you want in a draft. They're not broken. They help your team a little bit. But they're not just go to that, buy all those and win. Yeah,
0: and yeah. it's not gonna like overly help your opponent either. Right. So it's good yeah, balance, too. Exactly. All right, guys. Thank you so much for talking about draft pack strategies. We want to hear your guys' draft pack strategies, because you know, I draft with all these guys, so we kind of have a similar state of mind. But I want to know what you guys think when you're drafting out of these packs. Shoot us an email, double burst at ktdata.net or on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash double All right, guys. We will see you in a second where we're gonna be discussing a Kind of big change in the world of dice masters. All right, guys, we are back with the Ko King and Doctor J. Guys, this segment is actually kind of a big thing that's happening into into Wizkid. So they actually just posted a blog post about this, um, and I'll re- I'll read you guys what the blog post said on the Wizkid site. So it starts out with couriers designed by Mike er- Elliot and Eric M. Lang, was the first dice building game, and it centered around rolling tons of custom dice. Dice Masters harkened back to its origins and enjoyed success with non-blind box sets like TMNT and team packs like Spider-Man Maximum Cardage. We've been asked repeatedly for more products like this and we'll be doing so so on Avengers Infinity and Warhammer 40,000 by shifting or 40k. Someone's going to tell me I said that wrong. 40k you old man it's 40k (laughs) not forty thousand. okay um but by shifting the focus of how players buy dice masters to non-blind product we're trying to lower the barrier to entry for fans who are interested in trying the game fresh or maybe exploring one of the ips in the game they haven't tried yet a campaign box has 48 different character (laughs) cards that could be used to build hundreds of different teams for head-to-head thematic play right out of the box layer in 10 basic action cards and the replayability seems limitless adding in a team pack or two will let players customize their teams even further or replace one or of the two entirely a single campaign box of storage for to fit over 300 dice and their matching cards that's more than 10 team packs you can fit above and beyond the campaign box's original contents there are plenty of characters that are powerful enough to be included on tournament teams without ever being used at four copies of that die in some previous non-blind boxes or blind releases, cards had a maximum number of dice based on the configuration. This potentially had held back some cards from seeing their maximum potential in tournament play, even if it had no effect on others. Cards in campaign boxes are going to have the max dice based on the gameplay, just like the cards from the boosters would. So it sounds like WizKids is shifting how Dice Masters is being published from more of that collectible card game where you get these blind packs to more of a living card game where when you buy the box, you get everything. So it's going to be more of the Ninja Turtle type things. Um, What I wanted to hear from you guys is how do you feel about this change? Because from the way I read it, and I could have read it wrong because you guys hear me on the show all the time, that it sounds like they're shifting. They're not going to do booster packs anymore.
1: Uh, Listening to what you just read, that's what comes across to me. Um, And maybe that's not what WizKids intended with Mm -hmm. this. That's certainly what has come across and what the community has taken this message to mean is that we're moving away from the CCG format of collectible card game booster packs, blind product, where you could Those lovely draft
0: packs that we love.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, draft packs just came out, that kind of product. They're going to move away from that and move to... A system where you know all the cards that you are getting, and we're just gonna go from there. So that's what that's how I understood what that Mm -hmm.
0: said. Yeah. So, how how do you guys feel about this? Because this is a pretty big change from what we've done before. I mean, we like like they mentioned the turtles boxes; those are a thing, but those you know we just had two releases of those, and we're we're like, okay, I am glad they're bringing back the campaign boxes because everybody apparently that was a. I'm excited, for store new dice.
2: I'm excited for 40 K I don't play it. I mean, I have another Eric lane game chaos in the old world, but I don't have any other Warhammer 40 K.
0: We got to do is get Andy England. Cause I think he's big in the 40 K world uh, to just come teach us. So Andy book a flight to Utah. Come on.
2: So my initial reaction was, I was kind of bummed out. Um, I do have Cause you Game look, of Thrones LCG, yeah. but I don't buy any expansions for it. I just kind of have two starter boxes, and it's like my other board games, and I have it there to play, but I don't purchase more. And I actually got into this game, and this game brought me into other gaming um, based on the blind purchases because I liked baseball cards as a kid, and my son, because like the first pack you opened
1: was a chase rare, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. So then I was like, "Well, oh, go get me more." And then I was that'll like, well. hook you, man. <laughs> oh, it's a full art gladiator, <laughs> huh? It, ah,
1: my goodness, uh,
2: was that lucky in the
1: first? It pack? took me like I... two months to pull a super rare in this <laughs> game. Are you kidding me?
2: But so I, I think there's that excitement of what do you get? Granted, the more I've played, the more I open. It's like, oh, I've got this. This is kind of garbage so it's the excitement it's the lottery ticket basically so as i've thought about it i'm not so negative on it here's what i'm gonna miss is if they go fully away from blind boxes we are limited in how long we can draft this game we're limited to well what can stores you even draft are, that game like, well no i'm saying what, do that? what what products are in stores is basically What we have, unless WizKids keeps printing those, but we're We're it's like whatever the store, whatever the stores have, like eventually we're gonna run out, and then you know how do uh, new players may want to come and try drafting because I think that's really what we're gonna miss is the draft. We don't get a draft, and even if you do, it's not the same. I mean, you'll probably draft Cube or but it, it's not the same yeah
0: the, the drafting actually creates a interesting atmosphere because you're just kind of talking to people, chilling while you're doing the draft, and that even that let's say everybody just brings their campaign box, team constructing in that is still not the same atmosphere, right when when you're yeah. kind of having that kind of pre game yeah. banter between each other.
1: My take on this whole thing, I am very much not on board with it. I don't like the idea of moving away from a CCG format to an LCG format. And for several reasons, first of all uh, when we play in weekly events, we get prize support for, you know, how many games we win. And here in at game Haven Sandy, when we play the prize support is you get four booster packs per win, you know, so you can get up to 12 if you win. If you move away from blind boxes, that's not going to be a thing anymore. There will be no prize support for winning because there won't be any blind boxes. There won't be any any booster packs. And at most we could get, what, like a team pack or something that we already bought one of. It just doesn't seem to work to me. I think you're going to see the number of weekly events take a huge dive. People aren't going to be wanting to play in the competitive weekly events anymore. And that's what got me into this game. There, I love to play other board games, have a ton of them for fun and just to be casual. This game I play because it scratches a competitive itch for me. I don't know. You're always competitive whatever we play. I can be. That's yeah. because you hate us. I can but, be, okay. but this this is more like that one on one, like the sort of feel you get when you play like an organized sport or something, or you're watching a football game. You really get into it. You really have oh, that you, competitive feel.
0: Do, do you want to start playing basketball? You know, one-on-one, one on one. I mean, I
1: like playing basketball. We can do that. Like, maybe that's what... I'm I'm so out of shape, though. Law school made me so out of shape. I know. I'm out of shape, too, so it would (laughs) be awesome. (laughs) We'd be be dying on the floor, (laughs) coughing up lungs. And then everybody's
0: like, what's the score? One to one. What are you guys playing to? 20, duh.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But see, that was always what scratched that competitive itch for me. You know, if I win, I get more... At the end, I get more prize support, you know, and so that was always my drive to build good teams and to have fun and and to win at the game. Now, if if they go with the LCG format, LCGs to me feel like regular board games where you just get together with a buddy and you play. Honestly, when it comes to board games, I hate two-player board games. I pretty much refuse to play two player board games because I'm like board gaming is meant to be with a group of people. You need at least 3 or 4 unless it's something to make like Seven fun.
2: Wonders Duel. Come on, that's a pretty good game.
1: I don't really like it. I just don't like two player games, you know, unless he it's wants his unless Twilight it's competitive. Appearance. I don't like two player games. Uh I feel like the more the merrier. Yeah. And so that's that also I think is going to push those competitive players away. Another issue I have with this is if you can get everything that you need in just a couple boxes, it takes away the whole variability of people's different teams. You know, maybe you por- pulled a super rare Norman Osborne and that's going on your team. I still that I didn't too. pull that one. I have to build a completely different team around something else. Maybe I pulled a super rare Cosmic X23 or whatever and I'm going to build a team around that. You build around what you have. Not that many players have everything, maybe a few do. Great for them. Most people don't, which adds in this whole mixture of, you know, this this kind of wild card feel to the game. Yeah, that, you don't it, know what people are going to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's going to go away. Once people figure out what the best team is in these, you know, boxes that everybody has, then whatever the winning team is, that's what you're going to have to play in order to win.
0: Yeah, and it's harder to do even theme nights because I, I know they mentioned that there's 48 different character cards and different combinations But, you know, remember when we used to do theme nights, like, for this, if we said, hey, let's do an all-female theme, a lot of the cards are going to be similar because you're pulling out of the same 48
1: cards. Yeah, exactly. Like, there were so many times where we'd have a certain theme, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I just need this card, and it would make my team awesome, and I didn't have it. And so I'd have to come up with something else. And while it's frustrating not have all the cards, it's also a good thing for the game. And so... I. You know, I think this style of product
2: is going to bring in new players. I'm curious what it's going to do with old players that came into it because it was, a you know, the CCG. Yeah.
0: I I think I would actually be more excited about this if they had kind of a more regular schedule. I mean, because we've talked about how many sets they've come out in these past couple of months. If they did that with the campaign boxes, so you know maybe six month every six months or even every three months have a campaign box and then fill them in with team packs i think that would still keep me interested because i'm getting kind of a new rotation into it yeah um but if it's like one campaign box and then i i i can't remember are they releasing the team packs for 40k at the same time too
2: yeah so, uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Know. Like,
0: I if they space those out a little bit, too, I think I would enjoy that because then, oh, there's this new thing I can introduce.
1: See, and to. I really like the idea of having a few non-blind products interspersed among blind products because, you know, there's some some certain cards out there that need specific answers. Shriek was a great card that, you know, needed to be widely dispersed. And so they did that through the team pack. But they say that they're going to lower the whatever the buy-in is in order to play this game. And I don't think that's true. I think that the, the buy-in to play this game competitively is going to go up. And that's because especially around here, when you play with blind product, you have so many extra cards and dice. I mean, we just give them away to new players. If new players want to get into this game here, it is so oh Lordy. You, you buy you, a starter. And you you're come in, set. you come in, you pay $15 for a draft and you walk away with like $60 worth of product in cards and dice that, cause we, because we already had it all. We don't need it. We just give it away. It was so easy for people to get into the game before. Whereas now, if you want to get into the game, I mean, if you just take the non-blind products we have now, you've got you got to get the Spider-Man team pack. You got to get that shriek. So you're going to pay 10, 15 bucks for that. You got to get the Doctor Strange one with Wong in it. You got to get the Superman Wonder Woman starter. That's going to cost you twenty, twenty-five bucks. The Iron Man War Machine for a few of those basic actions. I mean, you're already upwards of a hundred dollars just to get into the game yeah
0: and plus the campaign boxes themselves are if if they're following the turtles model it's going to be about 35 dollars, yeah which is a lot more than hey just buy this 15 to 20 dollar starter and then you know we'll help you out with the boosters and stuff which
1: are a dollar and it completely eliminates the whole i have extra cards and dice i'm going to give them to you to get you excited about the game because it's uh, now it's well i only have one copy of this i can't part with it
0: yeah, which, which, and that, that is huge because I, we've seen new players where I'm like, I have everything. So I'll just hand them all my prize support. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I don't, you, you know, in a lot of
2: ways, it. I don't really hate the format, though. It, I think we get rid of the Kate Bishops. I mean, what, as an what example. if you get 48 you get Kate Bishops? Of, I know, but <laughs> I'm saying you get rid of the, you know, the characters that never see the light of day, even though some of us try to play with them.
1: Um, I don't, I don't see, collect I don't, anymore. I, don't think, so I, I think, don't think you do get rid of those. I think they'll still make those cards. Those cards will still be in the boxes. They'll just still never see the light of day. You'll buy a campaign box, find the seven cards in it that are worth playing, and everything else is just going to be pushed aside, and that's what people will play because everyone will have those same cards. That's what's going to be on the team.
2: I personally would like it if they did three different models, and each set had its own. So, like, yeah,
0: like, and space them out.
2: Yeah, so like, you'd have the forty k as a campaign box and teams, and then uh, Thor is gravity feeds, and Tomb of Annihilation is draft packs. That way, you have within Dice Masters, you have players that want gravity feeds, players that want draft packs. And players that have, you know, campaign boxes, they may play together, they may branch together, but you know what, if they don't want to, it's fine, you can use the game as an LCG, you can do it as a CCG. Yeah,
0: and if they wanted to kind of lower that barrier of entry, it doesn't have to be that the 40K is always the campaign box, then rotate it to being the, you know, your booster packs or your draft packs and just rotate the eyepiece through, which I, I think is a smart way because then say you grab the campaign box you're like i like 40k but what's this draft pack thing and they may try to go to a draft or like oh it's only a buck and you know you can get that uh, addiction going
1: yeah actually i really like it's gonna be weird for me to say but i really like what they did with the first turtle set because if you think about it the first turtle set in competitive play there was almost nothing worth you wanted the
0: basic actions there's some basic actions there was a foot ninja
1: There wasn't much else in that box that was worth playing. By itself, though, a a couple of people could have a lot of fun just playing out of that box. I think that's a great model with these these non-blind products. You don't put amazing cards in there that everybody has to have in order to be competitive, but you put in enough that two people can have a lot of fun with this new IP and have a good game between the two of them without having, without the the collectors and everyone else having to buy it. You can, you can appeal to both parties here. It's totally doable. I, I'm not opposed to more non-blind product. I think that's a fine thing to do in the game of Dice Masters. Just not get rid of the... B- don't, get rid of, don't get rid of the blind product. The blind product is what keeps people like me around who want to play for the competitive edge. They want to play for prizes. They love that feel of opening up blind packs and hope and wondering what you're going to get. And that doesn't affect the tabletop players at home you know, it really doesn't affect them because they don't need the super rares. They don't need all these other special cards in order to have fun. They just need their box set and they can have fun together and have a good game. I think that you can do both. Getting rid of one of them or favoring one over the other feels like a, a bad move to yeah. me.
0: Are we going to have to get one of those uh, capsule machines for you so you can put in a quarter and turn it and find out what you get in the little egg thing?
1: I love those things. It's <laughs> <laughs> are so cool.
2: <laughs> I find it... Interesting. I have a lot of questions that I'm sure will come over time. So, you know, be patient. I wonder, you know, what's rotation going to look like? How long can we use our blind product that we have? Um, and then just the whole basically eliminating drafts. Right. So fine. I'm curious the decision behind it. Cause it, to me, you know, is, you know, if I if I look at it like data, which I do for a career, I, I'm wondering, it seems to me like they're taking a whole chunk of, of their sales market to, to find another sales market. And I'm just curious to see where that goes. You, you're going to have... You know, not as big a presence in the game stores, at least locally. And I yeah, because you, you're going to find
0: you're going to find less people sitting in a store playing this, right? Because it's going to feel more like let's put this on the kitchen table versus right. let's go to a game store and play.
2: And then you you eliminate drafts.
0: I think, like that's, I said, that's the could, biggest thing that I I'll, like. I'm you could cube
2: hurt. the. You know, you could do a draft with the. With a box, I guess, but it, it wouldn't be the same. There yeah, It's be way that
1: too much of... work and it's just not the same. Right. Because you still know what everything is in there. And I, I don't like I honestly don't like cube drafting. Right. I don't like the idea of it. And then I'm kind of but... curious at the end, like what does that
2: mean for the product product in stores? What is because we'll be able to draft for a certain amount of a time. Right?
1: Like, yeah, well, for us. T- we, to, we go through feeds like crazy here. Yeah. Eventually, that product is going to run out either through prize support or because you've drafted it all. And once that's gone, it's gone. I mean, it's not coming back. You can have one event every time a new, you know, non blind product comes out. Like, we did a pizza party for when the turtle set came yeah. out. You can do that, but that's going to be one event. Yeah. And if you do that week months. after
0: week, it's going to get stale.
1: It'll get stale. Or people will lose interest in the space between the events that they'll say, oh, well, I'm not going to show up to the next one. I got something better to do. Yeah, it's going to
0: be like, oh, that game's still doing things in the store.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know,
2: LCGs, I think, have a competitive scene, but it's much different. Like, there's not the weekly events, at least locally. Like, I couldn't go play Game of Thrones card game locally. Uh, L5R you know had you know they have some events but that's because it was new but it's still it's kind of paced out um so there's people that play it but it's it's not quite the same so I'm curious where where will you look at our group right we get together on game night we play games now but it all started with hanging out at dice yeah, masters yeah me yes, sitting down
0: yeah. against this grumpy looking guy <laughs> Who, that used who, to get
2: really, really angry when he who, would
0: lose. Who, who would be just like focusing on playing his super rare gladiator and yeah.
2: just be like, this is awesome. So I don't want to lose that, at least locally. And if
0: I don't want to lose it on a national level, I mean, we through this show itself, we've made friends across the world. I mean, even our email writer from Philip, if I remember right, he's in Sweden. Which so, yeah.
2: Is, yeah. so to me, it feels like a total shift in target audience and i i hope we don't lose what we have as far as the target audience and
1: yeah i mean i can tell you right now i mean if they move to this model we're we're not going to have a thursday night dice masters night every week like we used to and so that means we're going to get together less or we're going to get together and we're going to play different games.
0: We're going to get together Thursdays, record the podcast, and then Fridays, we're just going to have full
2: game nights. Well, Eric Lane exactly. has this game coming out. This <laughs> munch Eric Lang, game. does he CCG. make does he make good games? He makes great games. I, I don't know that I've yeah. ever played an Eric
1: Lang game. This,
0: this guy sounds I like i got a closet full of them over here, Karen.
1: <laughs> Dice Masters, maybe? That too. <laughs> um,
0: so, yeah, guys... Um, Thank you so much for talking about your thoughts and stuff. So, this is still early news because they barely yeah, announced I w- that-
2: I would say, I think as a community, we need to be patient. Let's see what happens yeah. because right now I know a lot of people are getting upset and angry.
1: And yeah, I mean, don't, don't jump ship just yeah. yet. I mean, we don't really know what this means. I mean, people, I mean, it sounds one way but people make mistakes when they write these articles yeah. maybe they meant something different hey, maybe they just meant we're going to try more non-blind product they didn't say we're getting rid of blind product exclusively uh it could be that they see some some community dis you know displeasure with this and yeah. they decide hey okay we need to keep some blind product don't jump ship don't sell your whole collection just yet wait it out for a little bit and we'll see what happens and then you know, make your decision down the road. Yeah, Probably so,
2: wouldn't be the best time to try to sell your collection. Yeah, and,
0: and <laughs> yeah, and, and you, you, and we've heard this from Justin Zirin. Like we've heard him say it personally in, in person before, where he's always telling us, "Don't start jumping to assumptions." based on the lack of information and right now they've just made this early announcement and there's still some questions so like I I think I I feel safe to say like even on our show our official stance right now is we're going to wait and see we're going to be patient with WizKids and see what they do because I mean when we first heard about the draft packs we were kind of conflicted too, about like how that's going to work, and we've come to love it. so who knows maybe these changes that they're going to do, and you know I don't think we can make a solid decision until we have the campaign box in hand and played around with it for a while to see how this is you know how we like it.
2: Um, I'd really like yeah. it if it was an actual campaign box.
1: Yeah, that would <laughs> that, See that would sound a little like misleading. Yeah. It's just it's like a collector's box, right? Only know, but it'd really be cool if Yeah. Like, we Imagine how a cool
0: campaign. that would be is like you have the campaign box and then each month they would release a different boss or something that you could play. I think that would be
1: cool. I mean, one. Of the I honestly hate that idea. I hate it. It's not. It's not a CCG anymore. Well, you, it's just you against the computer. No. Wh- what what if? What, what if you can play
0: the boss? So you could be the boss. I still. Don't,
1: just, I still don't like it. I don't like it. It <laughs> feels like know. I'm sitting down playing bo- a two-player board game again. I need to no, know. I don't but like what, that. If it
2: was like a one-versus-many, because we did that D and D league back in the day, and and it there was a stage where we played uh, like a couple players against Nathan. That was a lot of
1: fun. Yeah. I don't I think. Mean, I mean, yeah, saying. you could have fun with that, but I don't think that multiplayer dice masters works. I just don't think yeah. it works. Well, why
2: don't you just poo poo on everything? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I try not to be so negative. Now <laughs> I will say, but I those- really don't like LCGs. I don't like the LCG model. I. It's just such a turnoff for me. Anytime I see LCG, I'm done. I don't want anything to do with it. I'd you rather know, go play a different board game. You know, it's interesting um, with this news. I've been paying attention to more things,
2: and so netrunner used to be a, a, CCG a ccg that
0: switched to an lcg model switched
2: to and a, it's still popular and it well it, it grew yeah. bigger when it switched so it was dying
0: as a, a as CCG a ccg and yeah. then
2: it really grew you
1: know as a living card game so i'm i'm kind of curious if that i i don't see them as being the same though because if you think about it, probably 90% of all CCGs die within the first year or two years that they're out. They don't if yeah. they don't last they they die. Um but the ones that do survive can stick around for forever. I mean, I mean look how long Yu-Gi-Oh's been around. Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, Pokémon, well, Dice Masters has been out for what 4 years now.
2: Dice Masters it's is crazy. so unique and this is why I think a lot of us love us so much. It's It's a very, very unique game. Absolutely. It's, you know, a dice deck building. You build a team. It's so much different than anything else. And that's why usually if you get someone to play a game, they love it. Yep. Like, yeah, they love it and they want to keep playing because it is very unique. And I think that needs to be the selling point of the game is it's unique. It's not like the other things. So, you know, I would like all models out there. Like I said, I like them in different sets. So you appeal to the different, and then you have all yeah, you the have people that variety. Play, but they don't have to cross over. You have the blind packs, you have the draft packs, because some people don't like the draft packs. So they just go with the the other product. And, and it doesn't have to be different formats to distribute each, like the same set, different sets, you know, different IPs. I think you know maybe there is something to the IPs are easier for wiz kids to get to get the the, cam- campaign, the campaign boxes, boxes so yeah. that may be part of it yep. you know so yeah so i'm interested to see how it goes like yeah. i said i'm worried about the limited number of times i'll be able to draft
0: this yeah. game so yeah. so we're we're definitely going to wait and see we also want to hear from you guys cuz as you can see we could talk about this for hours since it is a big change but we want to hear from you guys shoot us an email doubleburst at ktdata.net or leave it on our facebook page facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. gentlemen thank you so much and um i mean I'm, I'm i'm excited and
2: scared and uh, all these mixed emotions i'd be to interested see what's to hear back next. from some some listeners that play uh, L- yeah because
0: we don't have a lot of lcg experience so we want to hear from you guys too and what you guys think All right, guys. I will talk to you all later. And that's it for this episode of the Double Burst Podcast. We would love to hear from you guys. What do you guys have for draft pack strategies? And what do you think about the campaign boxes? Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Check out doubleburst.com for past episodes, places to subscribe, and cool player resources. Check out the K.O. Kings Etsy shop at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash K.O. Kings Corner. Find some custom dice or some really cool dice bags at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash KO Kings Corner. Big thanks to everybody who listens to the show. Everybody on the team appreciates it. And until next time, my friends, may your dice rolls be ever in your favor.